Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even getting a dental checkup. Mr. Carter, wouldn't you prefer the chair? I'm fine on my bike, Doc. Well, let me know if you feel any discomfort. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. All done, Mr. Carter. Remember to brush, floss, and lubricate your drive chain regularly. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. Hello there, welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Now, I'm sure you guys uh, understand why this episode is slightly later than was advertised on Facebook due to the untimely death of His Royal Highness Prince Philip. For those of you who have listened to the last episode, thank you very much for sharing with me that uh, you know the experiences of this great man's life um i really enjoyed that episode um and it was something that i found quite uh quite humbling to do so uh, i have had a few messages from you guys and i really really appreciate that so thank you very much we're going to get back onto the picture that i put on facebook about 2 weeks ago now a lot of you guys saw it and correctly assumed that it was a witch trial or a witch hunt um however you incorrectly guessed the salem witch trials which everybody seemed to go for now the reason for this is the salem witch trials are pretty famous they're probably the most famous witch trials in all of history they were in 1692 and they are something that i will be covering in a a future episode this witch trial happens 70 sorry 80 years before that it happens in 1612 and it happens in a village in england called pendle okay now pendle hill is uh, sort of a, a quite a rural landscape in lancashire and it's the village that surrounds pendle hill hence why it's called the pendle witch trials now this is a very famous story if you live in that area it's not overly famous throughout the whole uk and it's not overly famous anywhere else because it's sort of masked by the salem witch trials now before i get into this episode i do just want to do a quick shout out to some cities that have been listening quite intently over the last couple of weeks um, and this is, I've uh, managed to to get a list of the top 10 cities that are listening to my podcast right now. And they are in 
10th place, uh, Hamilton uh, VA, which I'm assuming is Virginia, uh, Anaheim, California, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Auburn Hills, Michigan, Tampere in Finland, so thank you very much for to actually have real Vikings listening to my episodes. Uh, the next one, I'm not sure if it actually counts, but it's LA, California. The reason for that, normally that f- it does sit quite high because Apple... Um, who go through the podcasts is based in California, in, in LA. So you tend to find that quite high up on the list. But if you are from LA and you listen, drop me a message and let me know because it'd be nice to, to know that. Uh, Inglewood, California as well. Uh, Vancouver, uh, WA. Uh, I'm going to guess Washington. Um, Valley View, Texas in second place. And the most amount of listeners for my podcast over the last couple of weeks comes from Naperville, Illinois. So hello to you all from Illinois. If your city has been mentioned, drop me a message. Let me know that you guys are in my top 10. If your city hasn't been mentioned, then I think you need to be sharing this podcast with your friends so your city is in my top 10. On a quick side note, uh, I know there's a lot of bit, quite a bit of housekeeping with this episode before we start, so I do apologise for that. Me and my friend Lee from Realm of the Supernatural podcast have decided in our infinite wisdom that we shall be starting a new podcast in the next few weeks to run alongside our regular podcast. So I know some of you guys who listen to me have come across from Realm of the Supernatural. Um, so, you know, you will be well aware of Lee. For those of you who don't know Lee, he was on the Norse Mythology episode and the R101. Um, so if you, you know, if you flash back to those episodes, you'll, you'll remember him. Um, it is not going to be history based. It is not going to be supernatural based. It is pretty much going to be two British blokes, one from the south of England, one from the north of England, just having a laugh and telling jokes and stupid stories and things like that. Um, both of us feel like we're hitting a niche market there and there's not uh, not a huge amount of listeners, um, well, there's not a huge amount of podcasts out there that do that. So if that is something you guys think you would listen to... Um, can you drop me a message? Just let me know. If you do think, actually, Dan, you should be sticking with just history and uh, not having a laugh and, you know, doing doing another podcast, then, uh, again, let me know on that. Um, there will be an update coming once we have that all ready to go anyway. Um, the other quick little note before we get into the Pendle Witch Trials is that of Apple Music. If you are on my Patreon and you have Apple, then Apple have started a new subscription service. Now, I don't know a huge amount about this, um, but essentially it will be the same. It will be $5 a month, um, but it will go through your Apple subscription and you won't have to go onto Patreon to access uh, the podcast, it will go through your Apple subscription. So for those of you guys who do want to join Patreon but are not 100% sure on how to do it, this might be a little bit easier. I haven't found out all the details about it. It's something that Apple had just bought out now, um, so it's something I will be looking into. But if you do want any clarification on Apple subscriptions, let me know and we shall sort that out. 
So without further ado, guys, I do apologise. That's nearly seven minutes of talking rubbish. Uh, we shall be starting with the Pendle Witch Trials. Now, like I said, this was 1612. So for those of you who are slightly acute with English history, you will know that 1612 is the reign of James I. James I being the son of Mary, Queen of Scots, and the first uh, Protestant king from Scotland to come down. Now, he was also involved in the gunpowder plot that was to kill James I. Um, he had a pretty pretty torrid reign, to be fair. Um, you know, he was sort of hated and not hated and loved, and there was just so much going on throughout his reign. But James I became very, very interested in witches and witch trials and how people perceived the devil. Um, and he was one of the main reasons that Britain went through a huge witch hunt in the 1600s. And this was all down to the king. And it's quite a strange thing to think that, you know, the reason this happened was because one man was sort of fixated on witches and witchcraft. And his fixate, excuse me, his fixation, I will learn how to speak properly one day, his fixation on witches comes from his fear of evil. He had a huge fear of evil. Um, you've got to remember, if you put yourself in this time, he has taken the, the throne of a country that doesn't really want him because England and Scotland had uh, a rivalry that's you know dated thousands of years. Um, he's the first ever Scottish king to sit on the English throne. His mother was beheaded by the previous queen. He is a Protestant king. A few years before this particular incident, he was attempted uh, a terrorist attack to kill him. Because um, whatever you think of Guy Fawkes and Robert Catesby and the gunpowder plot, they were domestic terrorists. I know domestic terrorists is a strange thing for Americans at the moment, so... Yeah, uh, you know, we'll we leave that one for uh, it, in 10 years' time. I'll be able to cover this, uh, maybe, if it's calmed down. But anyway, um, so he he had a fear. And Lancashire, if you ever look at a, a map of England, London is southeast coast. Well, not the coast, but southeast England, um, stretching down towards uh, sort of Dover and that area. That is where the king is, in the big city in London. Lancashire is the top west corner of England. It's described as a very dark and dingy place. It's a place where the people are rebellious. Um, not so much now, but definitely in the 1600s, it was a very rebellious area. Um, a lot of the revolts came from the north of England. Um, you know, looking back through through history. As a general rule, a lot of the revolts have come from the north of England. Um, so for a king to travel down to London, where he's probably not overly welcomed, he's certainly not welcomed at this dark, dingy corner of England where people are out to get him. So he has a huge fear 
of this this area almost. Now the story of the Pendle Witches focuses almost around a young girl and her family. Now this girl's name is Janet Devis and she lived in her grandma's house with her mum, sisters and, and uh, extended family. Now this house was called Mulking Tower. Now this makes it sound like quite a posh place. Uh, it was definitely not. Uh, mulking is an old English word that basically means slut. Um, and yeah, it's not a great word. It was also referred to as mucking tower, which was probably more common. Um, mucking is something in Britain, we still use the word now, but essentially mucking means shit. So she lived at Shit Towers in Lancashire, Pendle Hill. So doesn't sound as nice now, does it? The family were poor, very, very poor. Um, they made money from begging, basically. That was how they made their money, and they'd do ever so slight odd jobs around the village to help out. Now, Janet's uh, grandmother was what was known as a cunning woman. Now, cunning is something that's quite well known in witchcraft, um, and it is basically, well, essentially, it's it's like a doctor. Um, so her grandmother would be the one who would help people in the village should they fall sick, uh, should they need any help, um, things like that. And that's what her role was in the village. Now, this is quite a strange role to have in the 17th century because cunning women were essentially known by the authorities as witches because what they did was they used their magic and I'll put that in quotations to um, to basically to heal people and to make people feel better and, and so on and so forth um, but they were allowed to do it and that was because if they were good at it and they stayed out of trouble, then they weren't really a danger to, to anybody. But it does mean that the Devises were on the radar of authorities and should uh, the grandmother fall out with any of her clients or any of her uh, neighbours, it would be very conceivable that they would be accused of witchcraft and therefore put on trial essentially cunning women were good witches that was <clears throat> excuse me that was pretty much the gist of it so you know they would help you if you got sick whereas a witch would make you sick essentially but it's very easy to think that if you go to a cunning woman because you are ill and the cunning woman does something and you then deteriorate even further because let's be honest medicine didn't really exist in the 17th century that you would then be accused of being a witch because someone's gone to help gone for help and has deteriorated even further so the role is very very dangerous i would say to have in this era now janet's story is very interesting as a nine-year-old girl like I said, she lives with her grandmother, uh, her mother, her sister and her brother in shit towers. And there's no male heirs, no male adults in, in, the, in the household at all. Now, Janet's father was not her mother's husband. 
okay so her mother's a uh, mother's called elizabeth so elizabeth's husband dies um and then elizabeth then has janet at a later date so elizabeth the, uh, janet doesn't know who her father is she's the runt of the litter she's the smallest child and she's not even biologically the heir to anything not that there's anything to inherit but you know she almost is the outcast of the family and it's very important that we focus on this nine-year-old girl because she is extremely important when we talk about these trials the devises were not the only cunning family in the area there was another family called the chattuxes uh, and the matriarch of the family was called old chattux this is the the woman um and she was also a cunning woman so there was a rival rivalry between the two the devises believed that she was a witch and that her family were witches now the reason they believed this was because elizabeth's husband used to pay them grain every year so he used to deliver grain to them as a payment we don't really know what the payment was for but we do know a payment was made now the year that the payment was not made was the year that he died so that's why they put two and two together and come up with 500 because you know he he died the year he didn't he didn't pay them and therefore they must be witches not only that they're rivals so you know getting them off the street means that the devises business is going to work a little bit better but on march the 18th 1612 alison devis who is the older sister is walking down a path i suppose like a country road and she sees a man what we'd call a peddler walking past with uh, a big bag on his back and being a beggar she asks him for money which he ignores her and carries on walking now this is something that probably happens to her 10 or 15 times a day we see him in town uh you know beggars you you just ignore them didn't you but Alison decides to curse him now I'm assuming this is something that she's probably done every single time somebody walks past and ignores her she'll mutter something under her breath um, you know but in this instance she curses the peddler he takes maybe 10 or 15 steps and he collapses and all of a sudden he can't move he's still alive but he can't move and he's actually taken to a local inn and this is where things are starting to get a little bit more suspicious now obviously Alison followed the man or helped the man back to the inn um, and, and begged him for forgiveness because if this man goes to the authorities she's in serious trouble there were records of this peddler and they are still kept in archives today and in the records it states that this peddler his face had was awry so his face had changed um, and he'd lost mobility in his left arm well especially on the left hand side now essentially he'd had a stroke that was that was what had happened um obviously 
we don't know that, or that she didn't know that at the time. However, it could still be that she was the reason that he had the stroke. And this is where it's, you know, I mean, I know some of you are going, oh, hang on a minute, how is, how is her cursing him going to cause a stroke? Well, the same reason that if he believed that she was a witch, heard her curse him, and it it hit a nerve with him and he got a little bit scared or a bit nervous or a bit upset same as people have a stroke when they have arguments or road rage or uh, anything like that it's something that is you know it's linked together so it is entirely possible that this interaction with Alison is what caused his stroke the peddler's son obviously found out about this and reported it to a local magistrate the local magistrate's name is Roger Knoll. Roger Knoll was a very, I don't know how to put it, a very strong character. Let's say that. He he was very, he wanted to make a name for himself. There was magistrates all up and down the country, and this man wanted to make a name for himself. And bearing in mind, we've already established that the king was well behind these witch trials. He was well happy with it. So, you make a name for yourself as a witch catcher or a witch killer, you looked favourably upon by the king. So Roger Knoll investigates it. He goes to talk to Alison Davis and she confesses everything, tells him absolutely everything. In the process of doing that, she also points at her neighbours, the Chattucks family, and blames them for witchcraft as well and says that they uh, have made clay figures and uh, they've buried bodies and you know they're also witches as well so we now have more people accused obviously in retaliation to this the Chattox family are going to blame the Devises and say that the grandma is a witch and the mum's a witch and the little boy's a witch and you know really you know he, it sort of escalates from one girl who caused a stroke on a man to a massive witch hunt. And Roger Knoll, being the ambitious type, realises now he's not just uh, interviewing and investigating one person. He is now the key man to root all the witches out of Pendle. And on the 2nd of April, he makes his first arrests. He arrests Alison... He arrests her grandma. He arrests the Chattuck's grandma. And another neighbour called Anne as well is also arrested. Now these four women were sent to Lancaster Castle to await trial. And Roger Knoll made his report to the king. For those of you who have ever heard of the King James Bible. It quite clearly states in King James's own Bible. Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. In other words, if they're found guilty, they're dead. Not only did King James write this in his version of the Bible, he also wrote a book called Demonology. Now, many of you may be aware of this book or have heard of it. Demonology is essentially a book about evil that was written by the king and how to get rid of it. And he puts in this book how you know who is a witch and who isn't a witch. 
And one of the things that they put in this book, or that he puts in this book, is that you can tell a witch is a witch because they have the witch's mark. And the way they say the witch's mark, okay, essentially what it is, is a blemish on the skin from which the devil can suck milk from the teat. So you're talking something as simple as a third nipple, um, skin tags, uh, anything really that is deemed as a blemish on the skin, which if we're honest with each other here, guys, we've all got at least one thing that could potentially be a witch's mark. I know I have. So there are definitely, you know, realistically what they did, they, they would use this as a guideline on how to find out who was a witch and who wasn't a witch. And as I'm sure you can imagine, it's pretty conclusive. Most people have got some form of blemish on their skin that, you know, could be conceived in that way, especially when you are almost looking for a guilty con, like you're looking for the guilty. It wasn't, these weren't fair trials. These weren't objective jurors who would see each side of the argument. They wanted these people to be guilty. That and and when you've got a jury that wants the defendant to be guilty, that defendant's got absolutely no chance of a fair trial, regardless of who it is. Even nowadays, um, if the the jury wants that man or woman to be guilty, there's nothing you can do about it. It's not a fair trial, no matter what evidence you bring out. The king wanted to find out who was against him and who was for him. And the reason for this, like I said, he was extremely nervous. We've already covered why and who's tried to kill him in the past and so on and so forth. But he's now come up with this plan because a lot of the conspirators from the gunpowder plot a few years earlier fled to Lancashire, fled to northern England. And they did this because it was far enough away from London that they probably weren't going to be followed or chased or anything like that. So the king comes up with this plan that every single person needs to be in church on Easter Sunday. Uh, This is 1612. And anybody who's not is a Catholic or a a, a witch or evil or, or whatever and need to be rooted out. And he he almost sounds like a crazy person, you know. If you don't go to church, I'm going to kill you. You know, he was he comes across like like I said, like a crazy person. But his craziness is almost justified when you think of what he's been through and and how many people have actually tried to kill him or kidnap him or murdered his mother, his his father, and so on and so forth. So you can understand a little bit. Well, on Easter Sunday, at the local church in Pendle, Roger Knoll is present. And you know this because his name is still signed in the directory of church on that date. Now, the names that are not in that are the names of the Devises. Obviously, we know that Alison and the grandma are in prison, but Elizabeth... Uh, and her daughter Janet and her her brother are also are not 
in church. And the reason for this is they have a party. They have their own party at Malkin Towers. And this party is, you know, it's got they've 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 stolen a sheep. That's you know, that's the only information you really need to know. They've stolen a sheep to to feed all the guests at the party. But what were they there for? Were they there to have an Easter party? Were they there to conspire against the king? Were they there as a witch's coven, as a meeting? Were they there for, you know, we don't know. We don't know what they were there for. We can only assume, which is exactly what the police constable, uh, the constable, there wasn't police, He was, they were just called constables. But that's exactly what the constable did. Now, he heard a rumour that there was a witch, a witch's coven that was meeting at Malkin Tower. And he turns up and he sees the Devises there, Elizabeth uh, and, you know, her daughter, her son and a few of the neighbours. And she arrests, or he arrests her, should I say. He arrests her. And he arrests the family as well. Now, whilst this is going on, Elizabeth implicates other neighbours by saying, well, they were here, you've just missed them. They were here, you've just missed them. They were here, and so on and so forth. And, they, you know, she implicated other people in it. By the end of this, they'd actually sent eight more people to Lancaster Castle to await trial. So there's now 12 people awaiting trial for witchcraft. Now, obviously, we know the Devises are a poor family. We know the Chattoxes are a poor family. But some of the people that are implicated were not from this type of background. There was a woman called Alice Nutter. Now, she was implicated with her sister-in-law, her nephew, and a friend. Now, it's important to remember that these four people were not seen at the party. They were just implicated as after the fact now little Janet Devis she was not taken to Lancaster Castle so she was not one of the ones that was arrested and there is a reason for this which we shall find out in a bit it seems very unlikely that Alice Nutter had anything to do with the the witches however she was a known Catholic and that was good enough reason for the arrest and the implication that she could have been a witch. And like I said, they were sent to Lancaster Castle. Now, in this castle, there was a room that is roughly 20 feet by 20 feet. And inside this room was 20 people, 20 prisoners. So, very cramped, very dark, very dingy. And Lancaster Castle is, well, essentially up until sort of I think maybe 20 years ago was a very formidable prison so Lancaster Castle has actually been a working prison for around 400 years if not longer than that um, and it is now well apart from the fact that it's not being used now as a prison but it was a modern prison as well so it's a very formidable fortress and if you ever get a chance to look at it even the walls are dark and dingy and it you know it's it is one of them quite scary places i think it's one of those places if you got to spend a night there you probably wouldn't sleep if you you get my drift that sort of a 
quite a scary place to be. Well, like I said, we don't know where Janet was, but for the four months that her family was in prison, it's assumed that she was safe with the judge. And the reason for this is because the trial hinged upon Janet. So, we'll get into the trial. On the 18th of August, 1612, the Pendle Witch Trials begins in the courtroom in Lancaster Castle. Now, the witch trial was not a foregone conclusion. It seems that way because when we talk about witch trials, we always hear, oh, you just had to accuse someone of being a witch and they were hung for witchcraft. Well, actually... In reality, it was roughly 75% of people accused and got to trial. Around 75% were found not guilty. So it wasn't a foregone conclusion that this was going to happen, that they were going to be, uh, you know, hung for witchcraft or even found guilty. You know, the the punishment wasn't always death. Um, Nine times out of ten it was, but it wasn't always death. And... The first person to take the stand was Alison, the young girl whose curse made the peddler fall over and basically who what started the whole thing. Now Alison was that convinced of her own guilt that she didn't even defend herself. Um, she said she didn't mean to do it, she didn't realise that she had those powers and she could not restore the man's health to what it was because she didn't know how. Um, she did state in court that her grandmother would have known how to put the peddler back to health. But unfortunately, during the course of the prison, like being in prison, uh, Grandma uh, Devis actually died in prison and did not get to trial. So... Um, they believed obviously there was no way of of healing this peddler and Alison was you know she was that scared I think she was almost not necessarily scared that she was going to be found guilty I think she was more scared of what danger she was to society in reality she's no danger to society but I think she had that fear of being a teenager young girl she knows that she's responsible for this man to have a stroke she doesn't know it's a stroke but she's responsible and she she doesn't even defend herself she knows that she's dangerous which is crazy really Alison's mum Elizabeth was less subtle I suppose and a lot more aggressive in court and she was described by the shorthand writer as a vile, disgusting-looking woman who had one eye that looked down and one eye that looked up. Um, her left eye was lower than her right eye. She was basically an ugly beggar woman that was, I would say, your stereotypical version of what you would see as a witch. You know, this ugly, you know, horrible-looking thing. I mean, this is what you you assume when you when you think of witches is the the horror, I suppose, you know, but this, obviously, Alison, sorry, not Alison, Elizabeth came across like that, and and it was noted in the court records about this. 
Now, she screaming and shouting in court, protesting her innocence. Right up until the point that the defense, uh, sorry, the prosecution brings out their star witness. And their star witness is nine year old Janet Devis. Obviously, Elizabeth, seeing her young daughter come into the courtroom to testify against her, she starts screaming in panic at her daughter. Um, to which Janet turns around to the judge and says, I'm not going to talk until she's removed from from the court. So Elizabeth is removed from court and Janet has her moment to shine. She jumps up onto a table and in a room full of adults, completely silent, she denounces her own mother as a witch. She claimed that her mother had a familiar a brown dog called Ball, who would help her kill people. Um, and yeah, so she, she used, she almost recited a script, basically. She then described the meeting at Mulking Tower on Easter Sunday and said that people had come to the house that her mother had described. All the people there were witches as well um she also gave the name of six people who were there and her mother and brother now it wasn't just janet who denounced her mother um her son james janet's brother also said that her his mother was a witch and gave evidence he said that they dug up um skulls from the local cemetery um, and that four teeth had been stolen from one of the skulls and stored at Malkin Tower. When the constable arrested the family, he found these four teeth and they were presented as evidence. So, putting all that together, it was just another nail in the coffin for Elizabeth Devis. Unfortunately, that was not enough to save James Devis because Janet also turned on him saying that he was a witch and had been a witch for three years. She also recited spells that he'd used um, and said that she'd seen his familiar and how uh, he named it. Um, she didn't actually give a name for it, but uh, you know he named his familiar and his familiar um, was also involved in murders and things like this. And yeah, so she sort of, took the nail out of her mum's coffin and put one in his as well. So um, she was a really key witness at this point. Now, obviously, that's at this time, that's enough evidence to convict these two, or three if you include the, the sister. But the judge wanted more on the others. At the end of the day, there wasn't enough evidence on them. So what he did was he organized an identity parade now obviously the young janet has not seen these these people because they've been in prison for the last four months and the judge knows which ones are on trial and who isn't so he mixes them in with other prisoners from lancaster castle and tells little janet to go up onto the, the dock and have a look and to pick out all the people who were there on Easter Easter Sunday, basically. And she does. She picks out the exact people who were on trial, who are supposed to be on trial. 
And that is enough evidence, as far as they're concerned, to convict these people. Because if she was wrong, she would have picked somebody who wasn't there. Or she wouldn't have picked somebody who was accused. And she managed to pick the exact people who were accused. And the ones who weren't accused, she left. Now, that is possible because it's actually true. Maybe they were there on on, on Easter Sunday or, or Good Friday. Maybe they were there. Also, maybe she was able to see them at some point with the judge and was told that one that one that one not that one not that one that one that just so they could get the conviction that they wanted so like i said you've got to remember 17th century britain this probably wasn't a very fair trial i'm not suggesting that it wasn't i'm not suggesting that she was coerced into picking these people but for whatever reason she got it right the judge then asked her a made-up name what about Joanna Style? We haven't found her. Was she there? To which she replies, No, Your Honour. I've never even heard of that name. Well, there we go. That's, that's conclusive evidence, surely. The trial lasted two days, and the jury returned with a guilty verdict for all of Janet's family and most of the neighbours who were there as well. In total, 10 were sentenced to hang. Elizabeth, Alison and James Devis, Anne Whittle, Anne Redford, Alice Nutter, Isabel Ruby, John Bullcock and Jane Bullcock, and finally, Catherine Hewitt. The day after the trial, all 10 people were walked to Gallows Hill in Lancashire, and climbed the gallows and were hung. Now, these hangings were not what you would see on films and things like that, where the neck is broken, they're dropped, and the rope breaks the neck. These were slow strangulation hangings. They were hung up, strung up, and left there. Um, could take anything up to half an hour for somebody to to actually die from this um there is even evidence of family members and friends coming up to the victims and pulling on their legs to help them die quicker because it's so you know you know such a horrible way to go it's not at least with a proper hanging it's sort of done within a couple of seconds um this was a really slow agonizing death it's entirely possible that Janet Devis, the little girl who put her entire family essentially on death row, was there at the execution and witnessed the entire thing. Um, it's quite a horrible story. Um, you know, these pe these ten people were executed for essentially no reason whatsoever. Now. There is a story that goes on to say in a few years' time, uh, Janet Devis is actually also on trial for witchcraft. Um, now, we don't know if it's the same Janet Devis, but it's 
pretty pretty conclusive. It's unlikely to be somebody else. We don't know what happened to her the years after the execution of her family. Um, but she reappears in the records, in the court records a few years later um, for witchcraft. Now, she is actually found not guilty. Um, possible it's the same person. Like I said, if it is, history almost repeated itself on her. Um, there is more details about that, but to me, that's that that's not part of the Pendle witch trials. The Pendle witch trials were a nine-year-old girl sentencing ten people to death because she felt like the runt of the litter um, it's quite a you know it's a scary time you know this was all written this was all based on the fact that James the first was shit scared that people were going to kill him um, he believed witches Catholics uh, demons everyone was out to get him somebody out there was going to kill him and he didn't know who and he was obsessed with demonology, hence why he wrote the book on it. And, you know, you can still get copies of this book. It, it's it's still available. It's not something I've ever read. Uh, demonology and things like that doesn't really, doesn't really appeal to me. But I do understand some people are really interested in it. And I find this type of history very, very interesting because it is something that is not common it's not something people know about i mean i would say majority of people and as obviously like i said right from the start most of my listeners are american i think for the last couple of weeks it's around 85 percent of my listeners are american so you guys will pretty much know the salem witch trials inside out um so it is something i'm going to cover anyway but um you know, it, I'm assuming you guys know that story probably as well as I do, if not better. Um, but obviously, it is an interesting subject, and not many people know about the fact that this was happening in Europe a long time before the Americans decided to to do it in Salem. So, yeah, I'm not sure what you guys think about this episode. Like I said, it is something a little bit different. Um, we will stay on the witch theme for next week um, and I will be posting a picture let's see how many of you get this one and a little quick note because I know my dad listens to this podcast dad you are not allowed to guess because this was your idea um, he was the one who, who mentioned the next episode and it's something I've researched since then it it's quite interesting and it's uh, not something I was going to cover um, but it is now so yeah he's not allowed to comment but um, for everybody else get yourselves over to Facebook uh, This Week in History podcast on Facebook join the group I'll accept you have a guess see if you know what the next week's picture is for those of you who are interested in Patreon Get yourselves over there. It's patreon.com forward slash this week in history. You can sign up for $5 a month. If you're not sure about it, um, put something on the group. Ask on the group. There are people on Patreon who will let you know um, whether it's worth it or not. Um, I've not had people leave my Patreon um, recently. Uh, I've had a couple of people who have left, but. Uh, more have joined since then so I would say it's doing quite well at the moment um, and I'm hoping that when 
I have sorted out this Apple subscription. Um, a lot of you guys will join me on Apple subscription. So that will be available to you on your podcasting apps uh, on iTunes. So uh, I shall hopefully get back to you a little bit more about that in the, ne- in the, the next few weeks. But thank you for listening, guys. And just remember, we all have history. Make yours great. Bye-bye. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know, the average oak tree branch can hold 70 pounds. Something you probably do know, your neighbor is building their kid a treehouse. Something you probably don't know, a falling treehouse would take out your whole fence. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.